are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. On September 20th, 1963, in a speech before the United Nations General Assembly, President Kennedy proposed that the United States and the Soviet Union joined forces in their efforts to reach the moon. Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev initially rejected Kennedy's proposal. However, during the next few weeks, he concluded that both nations might realize cost-benefits and technological gains from a joint venture. Khrushchev was poised to accept Kennedy's proposal at the time of Kennedy's assassination in November 1963. Khrushchev and Kennedy had developed a measure of rapport during their years as leaders of the world's two superpowers especially during the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. That trust was lacking with Vice President Johnson. When Johnson assumed the presidency after Kennedy's assassination, Khrushchev dropped the idea of a joint U.S.-USSR moon program. The Soviet Union achieved another first with their first dual-piloted flights, Vostok 3 and Vostok 4, on August 11th through 15, 1962. The two spacecraft came within approximately 6.5 kilometers, or 4 miles, of one another, close enough 
for radio communications. The launching of two spacecrafts from the same pad during a very short period of time represented a significant technical accomplishment. However, there was no capability for the spacecraft to maneuver closer to each other and over the course of the mission they continued to drift as far as 2800 kilometers or 1700 miles apart. The Soviet Union achieved yet another first when it launched not only the first woman but also the first civilian into space. Valentina Tereshkova on June 16, 1963 in Vostok 6. Launching a woman was reportedly Korolev's idea and it was accomplished purely for propaganda value. Tereshkova was one of a small core of female cosmonauts who were amateur parachutists. But Tereshkova was the only one to fly. The USSR didn't again open its cosmonaut corps to women until 1980, two years after the United States opened its astronaut corps to women. Korolev had planned further long-term missions for the Vostok spacecraft and had four Vostoks in various stages of fabrication in late 1963 at his OKB-1 facilities. At that time, the Americans announced their ambitious plans for the Project Gemini flight schedule. These plans included major advancements in spacecraft capabilities, including a two-person spacecraft, the ability to change orbits, the capacity to perform extra vehicle activities, and the goal of docking with another spacecraft. These represented major advances over the previous Mercury or Vostok spaceships and Korolev felt the need to try to beat the Americans to many of these innovations. Korolev already had begun designing the Vostek's replacement, the next generation Soyuz spacecraft, a multi-cosmonaut spacecraft that had at least the same capabilities of the Gemini spacecraft. However, Soyuz would not be available for at least three years, and it could not be called upon to deal with this new American challenge in 1964 or 1965. Political pressures in early 1964 which some sources claim was from Khrushchev's 
while other sources claim was from other Communist Party officials, pushed him to modify his four remaining Vostoks to beat the Americans to new space firsts in the size of flight crews and the duration of missions. On October 12, 1964, the chief designer delivered another Soviet space first when Vashkud-1 launched the first multi-person spacecraft with three cosmonauts in a modified Vostok spacecraft. The USSR touted another technological achievement during the same mission. It was the first spaceflight during which cosmonauts performed in a shirt-sleeved environment. However, flying without spacesuits was not due to safely, safety improvements in the Soviet spacecraft's environmental systems. Rather, this innovation was accomplished because the craft's limited cabin space did not allow for spacesuits. Flying without spacesuits exposed the cosmonauts to significant risk in the event of potential fatal cabin depressurization. This feat would not be repeated until the U.S. Apollo Command Module flew in 1968. This later mission was designed from the outset to safely transport three astronauts in a shirt-sleeve environment while in space. Between October 14th through October 16th, 1964, Leonid Brezhnev and a small cadre of high-ranking Communist Party officials deposed Premier Khrushchev as Soviet government leader a day after Vaskud I landed in what was called the Wednesday Conspiracy. The new political leaders, along with Korolev, ended the technological troublesome Vaskud program, canceling Vaskud 3 and 4, which were in planning stages, and started concentrating on the race to the moon. Vaskud 2 would end up being Korolev's final achievement before his death, as it would become the last of many space firsts that demonstrated the Russians' domination in spacecraft technology during the early 1960s. According to historians, Korolev's accomplishments marked the absolute zenith of the Soviet space program, one never attained since. There would be a two-year pause in Soviet piloted space flights while Vashhud's replacement, the Soyuz spacecraft, was designed and developed. 
on March 18, 1965, about a week before the first American piloted Project Gemini spaceflight. The USSR accelerated the space race competition by launching the two-cosmonaut Voskhod 2 mission with Pavel Beyavev and Alexei Lenov. Voskhod's two design modifications included the first airlock to allow for extra vehicle activity, also known as a spacewalk. Leonov performed the first ever EVA as part of the mission. A fatality was narrowly avoided when Leonov's spacesuit expanded in the vacuum of space, preventing him from re-entering the spacecraft. He had to improvise and perform the potentially fatal partial depressurization of his spacesuit in order to re-enter the airlock. He succeeded in safely re-entering the ship, but he and Belevev faced further challenges when the spacecraft's atmospheric controls flooded the cabin with 45% pure oxygen, which had to be lowered to acceptable levels before re-entry. The re-entry involved two more challenges, an improperly timed retro-rocket firing caused the Vashthud 2 to land 386 kilometers, or 240 miles, off its designated target area in the town of Perm, and the instrument compartment failure to detach from the descent apparatus caused the spacecraft to become unstable during re-entry. Focused by the commitment to a moon landing, in January 1962, the U.S. introduced Project Gemini, a two-crew-member spacecraft that would support Apollo by developing the key spaceflight technologies of space rendezvous and docking of two craft, flight durations of sufficient length to simulate going to the moon and back, extravehicular activity for extended periods, and accomplishing useful work rather than just walking in space. Although Gemini took a year longer than planned to accomplish its first flight, Gemini took advantage of the USSR's two-year hiatus after Voshhud, which enabled the U.S. to catch up and surpass the previous Soviet lead in piloted spaceflight. Gemini achieved several significant firsts during the course of 10 piloted missions. On Gemini 3, March of 1965, astronauts 
Virgil Gus Grissom, and John Young became the first to demonstrate their ability to change their craft's orbit. On Gemini 5, August 1965, astronauts Gordon Cooper and Charles Pete Conrad set a record of almost eight days in space, long enough for a piloted lunar mission. On Gemini 6A, December 1965, command pilot Wally Sharara achieved the first space rendezvous with Gemini 7, accurately matching his orbit to that of the other craft, station keeping at a distance as close as one foot and keeping station for three consecutive orbits. Gemini 7 also set a human spaceflight endurance record of 14 days for Frank Borman and James Lovell which stood until both nations started launching space laboratories in the early 1970s. On Gemini 8, March of 1966, command pilot Neil Armstrong achieved the first docking between two spacecraft, his Gemini craft and an Agena target vehicle. Gemini 11, September 1966, commanded by Conrad, achieved the first direct ascent rendezvous with its Agena target on the first orbit and used the Agena's rocket to achieve an apogee of 742 nautical miles or 1,374 kilometers into space, an Earth orbit record that has not been broken to this day. On Gemini 12, November 1966, Edwin Buzz Aldrin spent over five hours working comfortably during three EVA sessions, finally proving that humans could perform productive tasks outside their spacecraft. This proved to be the most difficult goal to achieve. Most of the novice pilots on the early missions would command the later missions. In this way, Project Gemini built up spaceflight experience for the pool of astronauts who would later be chosen to fly the Apollo lunar missions. The Soviet Union had planned to divide their lunar program into two separate man programs. Circumlunar flights in 1967 and lunar landings from 1968. The circumlunar missions were to be launched by a UR-500 rocket, later known as the Proton. 
The cosmonauts would be flown to the moon in the Soyuz 7KL-1 Zond, which made four unsuccessful unmanned flights from 1967 to 1970. One flight of the Zond was, however, successful and returned its non-human passengers, which were a group of tortoises, to Earth. It had been used for a manned circumlunar mission and the flight would have carried two cosmonauts. The Soviet lunar landing missions would use spacecraft derived from the Soyuz 7KL-1. The orbital module, Soyuz 7KL-3, the Lunity Orbitali Korob, or LOK, had a crew of two. The LOK and a separate lunar lander the Luni Korbal, or the LK, had 40% of the mass of the Apollo Command Service Module Lunar Module due to the launch vehicle's capabilities. The launch vehicle would have been the N1 rocket, which was roughly the same height and takeoff mass as the American Saturn V exceeded its takeoff thrust by 28% and yet had roughly half the TLI payload capability. The N1 was unsuccessfully tested four times, exploding each time due to problems with the first stage's 30 engines. The Soviet leadership canceled the program in 1970 after the first two successful American moon landings. There were fatalities and disasters in the Soviet program in the 1960s. Likely the worst disaster during the space race was the Soviet Union's Nedelin catastrophe in the year 1960. It happened on October 24, 1960, when Chief Marshal Mitrofan Nedlin gave orders to use improper shutdown and control procedures on an experimental R-16 rocket. The hasty on-pad repairs caused the missile's second stage engine to fire straight into the full propellant tanks of the still-attached first stage. The resulting explosion, toxic fuel spill and fire killed anywhere from 92 to 150 top Soviet military and technical personnel. Marshal Nedelin was vaporized and his only identifiable remains were his war medals, especially the gold star of the Soviet Union. 
His death was officially explained as an airplane crash. It was also a huge setback for the rocket's chief designer, Mikhail Yangel, who was trying to unseat Korolev as the person responsible for the Soviet human spaceflight program. Yangel survived only because he went for a cigarette break in a bunker that was removed from the launch pad. But he would not rival Korolev during the rest of this period. The Nedelin catastrophe would remain an official secret until the year 1989, and the survivors of the incident were not allowed to discuss it until 1990, 31 years after it occurred. In 1986, in a series of newspaper articles in Esvestia, it was disclosed for the first time that the USSR officially covered up the March 23, 1961 death of Soviet cosmonaut, cosmonaut Valentin Bondarenko from massive third-degree burns from a fire in a high-oxygen isolation test chamber. This revelation subsequently caused some speculation as to whether the Apollo 1 disaster might have been averted had NASA been aware of the incident. Bondarenko, at age 24, was the youngest of the early Vostok cosmonauts. The Soviet government literally erased all traces of Bondarenko's existence in the cosmonaut corps upon his death. In 1967, both nations faced serious challenges that brought their programs to a halt. Both nations had been rushing at full speed on the Apollo and Soyuz program without paying due diligence to growing design and manufacturing problems. The results proved fatal to both pioneering crews. In the United States, the first Apollo mission crew, command pilot Gus Grissom, senior pilot Ed White, and pilot Roger Chaffee were killed by suffocation in a cabin fire that swept through their Apollo 1 spacecraft during a ground test on January 27, 1967. The fire was probably caused by an electrical spark. It grew out of control, fed by the spacecraft's pure oxygen atmosphere, maintained at greater than normal atmospheric pressure. An investigative board detailed design and construction flaws in the spacecraft and procedural failings, including failure to appreciate the hazard of the pure oxygen atmosphere, as well as 
inadequate safety procedures. All these flaws had to be corrected over the next 22 months until the first piloted flight could be made. Mercury and Gemini veteran Gus Grissom had been a favored choice of Deke Slayton, the grounded Mercury astronaut who became NASA's director of flight crew operations to make the first piloted landing. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union was having its own problems with Soyuz development. Engineers reported 200 design faults to party leaders, but their concerns were overruled by political pressures for a series of space feats to mark the anniversary of Lenin's birthday. On April 24, 1967, the USSR suffered the death of its first cosmonaut, Colonel Vladimir Komarov, the single pilot of Soyuz 1. This was planned to be a three-day mission to include the first Soviet docking with an unpiloted Soyuz 2. But his mission was plagued with problems. Early on, his craft lacked sufficient electrical power because only one of the two solar panels had deployed. Then, the automatic attitude control system began malfunctioning and eventually failed completely, resulting in the craft spinning wildly. Komarov was able to stop the spin with manual system, which was only partially effective. The flight controllers aborted his mission after only one day, and he made an emergency re-entry. During re-entry, a fault in the landing parachute system caused the primary chutes to fail, and the reserve chutes tangled together. Komarov was killed on impact. Fixing these and other spacecraft faults caused an 18-month delay before pilot Soyuz flights could resume, similar to the U.S. experience with Apollo. This, combined with Korolev's death, led to the quick unraveling of the Soviet moon landing program. Other astronauts have died while training for space flight, including four Americans, Ted Freeman, Elliot C., Charlie Bastet, and Clifton Williams, who all died in crashes of T-38 training aircraft. Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space, met a similar fate in the year 1968 
when he crashed in a MiG-15 jet while training for a Soyuz mission. During the Apollo 15 missions in August 1971, the astronauts left behind a memorial in honor of all the people, both from the Soviet Union and the United States, who had perished during efforts to reach the moon. This included Apollo 1 and Soyuz 1 crews, as well as astronauts and cosmonauts killed while in training. In 1971, Soyuz 11 cosmonauts Georgi Lee, Viktor Pastyeva, and Validis Volkov asphyxiated during re-entry to the Earth. The United States recovered from the Apollo 1 fire, fixing the fatal flaws in an improved version of the Block 2 command module. The U.S. proceeded with unpiloted test launches of the Saturn V launch vehicle. This were known as Apollo 4 and Apollo 6 and the lunar module, Apollo 5. During the latter half of 1967 and early 1968, Apollo 1's mission to check out the Apollo Command Service Module in Earth orbit was accomplished by Grissom's backup crew, commanded by Walter Shirara on Apollo 7, launched on October 11, 1968. The 11-day mission was a total success as the spacecraft performed a virtually flawless mission, paving the way for the United States to continue with its lunar mission schedule. The Soviet Union also fixed the parachute and control problems with Soyuz, and the next piloted mission, Soyuz 3, was launched on October 26, 1968. The goal was to complete Komarev's rendezvous and docking mission with the unpiloted Soyuz 2. Ground controllers brought the two spacecraft within 200 meters or 660 feet of each other. Then cosmonaut Gregory Brigovio took control. He got within 40 meters or 130 feet of his target but was unable to dock before expending 90% of his maneuvering fuel due to a piloting error that put his spacecraft into the wrong orientation and forced Soyuz 2 to automatically turn away from his approaching spacecraft. The Soviet Zon spacecraft was almost ready for piloted circumlunar missions in 1968, although testing was not yet complete. At the time, the Soyuz 7KL-1 Zon spacecraft was not yet ready for piloted missions after five unsuccessful and partially successful automated test launches. On November 22, 1967, Zon 4 was launched and successfully made 
a circumlunar flight. After its successful flight around the moon, Zond 4 encountered problems with its Earth re-entry on March 9th and was ordered destroyed by an explosive charge of 15,000 meters or 49,000 feet over the Gulf of Guinea. The Soviet officials' announcement said the Zond 4 was an automated test flight, which ended with its intentional destruction due to its recovery trajectory positioning it over the Atlantic Ocean instead of the USSR. During the summer of 1968, the Apollo program hit another snag. The first pilot-rated lunar module was not ready for orbital tests in time for a December 1968 launch. The NASA planners overcame this challenge by changing the mission flight order, delaying the first lunar module flight until early 1969, and sending Apollo 8 into lunar orbit without the lunar module in December on a new C-prime mission. This mission was in part motivated by intelligence rumors that the Soviet Union might fly a piloted circumlunar Zod flight during late 1968. In September 1968, Zond 5, a Soyuz spacecraft with tortoises on board, made a circumlunar flight and returned to Earth, accomplishing the first successful splashdown of the Soviet space program in the Indian Ocean. It also scared NASA planners as it took them several days to figure out that it was only an automated flight, not a piloted flight with cosmonauts. Because the Russians had voice recordings that were transmitted from the craft en route to the moon to make it sound like there were cosmonauts on board. On November 10, 1968, Another automated test flight of the ZKL-1 spacecraft, Zon-6, was launched. But this time, it encountered difficulties in its Earth re-entry and depressurized and deployed its parachutes too early, causing it to crash land only 16 kilometers or 10 miles from where it had been launched six days earlier. Apollo 8 launched on December 21, 1968 and became the first human crewed spacecraft to leave low Earth orbit and go to another celestial body, the Moon. On December 24, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders became the first humans to enter into orbit around the Moon. They orbited 10 times and transmitted one of the most watched TV broadcasts in history with their Christmas Eve program from lunar orbit that concluded with a reading from the King James Bible book of Genesis. A few hours later, 
the crew performed the first ever trans-Earth injection burn to blast the Apollo 8 spacecraft out of lunar orbit and onto a trajectory back to Earth. Just over two days later, on December 27th, Apollo 8 safely spashed down in the Pacific, completing another first, NASA's first dawn splashdown and recovery. It, was, it turned out that there was no chance of a piloted Soviet circumlunar flight during 1968 due to the unreliability of the Zoms. After the successive launch failures of the N1 rockets in 1969, Soviet plans for a piloted landing suffered first delay and ultimately cancellation. The launch pad explosion of the N1 on July 3rd, 1969 was a significant setback. The rocket hit the pad after an engine shutdown, destroying itself and the entire launch facility. Nineteen sixty-nine saw the final leg of the moon race, with the United States leading after the flight of Apollo 8. Unbeknownst to the Americans, the Soviet moon program was in deep trouble. Without the N-1 rocket, the Soviets had no way to land on the moon. The next two Apollo missions proved that the lunar module worked well, both in low Earth orbit and in lunar orbit. It was time to proceed to an actual landing mission. Under this backdrop, Apollo 11 was being prepared for a July encounter with the moon. The Apollo 11 crew consisted of Commander Neil Armstrong, Command Module Pilot Michael Collins, and Lunar Module Pilot Edwin Buzz Aldrin. They were selected as the crew in January 1969, and they trained for the mission until just before the actual launch day. On July 16, 1969, at exactly 9.32 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Saturn V rocket, serial number SA-506, lifted off from Launch Complex 39A at the Kennedy Space Center, Florida, with Apollo 11 on board. The lunar trip took just over three days. After achieving orbit, Armstrong and Aldrin transferred into the lunar module named Eagle and began their descent. After overcoming several computer malfunctions, Armstrong took over manual control at about 180 meters or 600 feet and guided the lunar module to a landing on the moon's Sea of Tranquility at 4.17 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, July 20, 1969. 
the first humans on the moon would wait another six hours before they ventured out of their craft. At 10.56.15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Neil Armstrong became the first human to set foot on the moon. The first step was witnessed by at least 500 million TV viewers on Earth. His first words when he stepped off the lunar module's landing pad were, That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Aldrin joined him on the surface almost 20 minutes later. Altogether, they spent just under two and one quarter hours outside their lunar module. The next day, they performed the first launch from another celestial body and rendezvoused with Columbia Command Module. Apollo 11 safely blasted out of moon orbit on its way back to a splashdown in the Pacific Ocean on July 24, 1969, when the spacecraft splashed down. 2,982 days had passed since Kennedy committed the United States to landing a man on the moon and bringing him back safely to the Earth before the end of the decade. The mission was completed with just 161 days to spare. With that safe completion of the Apollo 11 mission, the Americans won the race to the moon. Additional landings included Apollo 12, Apollo 14, Apollo 15, Apollo 16, and Apollo 17. The early 70s were rounded out by several more U.S. man-moon landings, which featured expanded tasks including more sample returns, experiments, and extended EVAs with a lunar rover. The USSR continued for a time with their N-1 rocket, as well as more Soyuz flights to their Soyuz stations. Unmanned spacecraft were in the limelight as well, with the USSR launching unmanned lunar sample return missions and probes to Mars and Venus. The US launched probes to Mars, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, and beyond, as well as launching Skylab, an orbital space station. Together, the US and Soviet conducted an orbit rendezvous by manned spacecraft in 1975. By the end of the late 70s, both were working on space shuttles and launching science missions at a fever pitch. An unintended consequence of the space race 
is that it facilitated the environmental movement, as this was the first time in history that humans could see their home world as it really appears. The first color pictures from space showed a fragile blue planet bordered by the blackness of space. Pictures such as Apollo 8's Earthrise, which showed a crescent Earth peeking over the lunar surface, and Apollo 17's The Blue Marble, which for the first time ever showed the furl circular Earth, became iconic to the environmental movement. The first Earth Day was partially triggered by the Apollo 8 photo. Astronauts returning from space missions also commented on how fragile the Earth looked from space, further fueling calls for better stewardship of the only home humans have, the Sapphire Planet. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet? Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.